Thank you for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. We're a growing community in the heart of the city, and we exist to awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. Although the pandemic causes us to adjust our methods, our message stays the same. God, through Jesus, is making all things new. commissioning and we're going to spend just a few moments before we disperse just having a little dialogue I'm honored to be here with my brothers I'm honored to be here with you yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm honored to be here with you let us not take for granted the opportunity the beauty each other there's something powerful about this moment you know we had some thoughts about what would happen when we plan today and I think it's clear the Lord wanted us to come worship pray and be together That's right. worship pray and be, together. and be together today we are together does anybody know how many churches are in Detroit churches are in Detroit. I see somebody in the back with a hand up. If you can see back there, somebody's sitting down with an arm raised up and they, they got the answer. It's one. It's one church in Detroit. Woo! It's one. One. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. It's one. One church. We are one. I love your pastor, but I don't care what church or church expression you go to. Come on, preacher. Whatever t-shirt you may be rocking today, that's cool. But it's, it's one of us. When God sees us, he doesn't look at the Protestants and the, the Catholics and the, 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 the Pentecostals and so forth. So, we're going to have a little bit of dialogue just for a little bit of while. Not too long. Um, again, my name is Sonny and I'm honored to be here. Can we just maybe introduce ourselves, fellas? Um, I'm one of the pastors at Detroit Church. I'm Boyd White, pastor of the Ark Detroit. What up, though? Uh, I'm Terrell Bland. I'm one of the pastors at the Hope. I'm North Flood Shoemaker, pastor at Life Changers, one of the pastors there. Amen. Amen. Yay, yay. And we celebrate all of the expressions of the church around our city today. We know that there are other pastors here. If, those you're, who's... if you're a pastor here, let us just wave your hand. If you're a pastor in the field today, you've joined us. Let's just, just wave your hand. A shout out to all pastors. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Come on, let's give a hand to all our pastors who come out today. Bless you. Bless shout out to the teachers and the evangelists. That's right. Shout out to the prophets and the apostles, the missionaries. Any missionaries in the building? <laughs> shout out to the children's church workers. I don't know. We can go down the line. <laughs> we are glad to be here. So, question, the first question I have on my, on my mind and on my heart, and again, we're not like, this isn't a panel discussion, but it's just a conversation. If we can let you all into some of our Zoom conversations, <laughs> they are quite classic. Um, but we want to just start with the simple question, why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> Anybody want to take that one? I'll start. Um, I'm here because uh, I told the guys when 
the pandemic started, uh, not knowing what we were going to get into uh, with social unrest and everything else that was to come, I already had a burden for the church to come together. Um, when we talked, um, boy, had, Pastor Boy had mentioned um, that it was time for the church to stop splintering off and doing their own thing. And I was feeling the same thing. I was telling my wife and my team that it's time for churches to be bold enough to shut their doors and say I'm okay with joining with you and let's working together so I was waiting for you know I, I, you can ask my guys I was waiting for somebody to call me and say let's do something together we're stronger together it's not a cliche all right, it's not something that you just say, um, but it really is a real dynamic, powerful thing. Um, and I'm here today because scripture commands us to there come together. The Holy Spirit commands us to come together, especially during this time. There's a cry on, in, in the earth for us, the church, to come together. And I'm, I'm glad and amazed, even, uh, I hate to say it, that Detroit um, can be a part of it. You see it in other cities happening, um, but I'm just humbled you know, that we could get the call and, and even reach out to other churches, other pastors. We said it week one. We want 100 churches, man, and we're still believing that to come together, uh, not be fearful about how you're going to pay for your building, not be fearful about how come you're going to, you know, uh, take care uh, of the rent or, uh, you know, your tithes and offering. We, if you notice, we didn't collect any offering uh, last time. We didn't, we're not going to collect offering this time, right? And stages and stuff like this don't just come up, right? But you have to be able to move fearlessly and be obedient in what God is calling you to do. And so that's why I'm here, to be together. I'm here because this is family. And, uh, you know, we, we have the saying at our church that we are a family of sons and daughters, joyfully pursuing the presence of a loving father. And I'm here just to join my family in the midst of chaos, uh, pandemic. I believe that the church should have something to say. And, uh, and so we should represent the king and his kingdom uh, and do that well without politicizing it. And we'll be biblically based in the way that we see things. We'll look at things on the, the standpoint, standpoint of the king and his kingdom and how he operates and how he behaves in, in, in community. And so that's why I'm here like, hey, I want to show up and let's represent Jesus rightly. Not politically, but yeah. rightly. Wow. So that's why I'm here. Wow. If I could just piggyback on, on that, both of what you all And then you start to get into like, this is what scripture commands of us. Like, I feel that at this point in time, we don't have an option. Come on, preach. It's not like it's a good idea. Hey, we could probably do more things if we came together. Right. Uh, no, duh, right, right. Of course. Uh. But at this point, the level of desperation that we have yes. and the, the utter purpose, the idea that like this all originated with an idea in the mind of someone, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? In the mind of the Godhead. Come on. So this didn't start with us. Right. We've been given unity that Ephesians tells us not to conjure up, but to keep. Mm. We got unity, keep this unity. Like we don't have a choice. That's right. Anything other than together is not church. Mm -hmm. 
think it was wine. Like, as we reimagine church, we're not redefining it. We want our thoughts to line up with his thoughts. Come on. So this is his idea and his concept. What we're still in the age of, I remember me and you be talking about this 15 years ago. This post-modernal reality of deconstructing everything that is. Right. And we would talk about the Hebrews notion, the, from the book of Hebrews, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's what we're living in. Right. That's what we're living in. So as we deconstruct what church is and what, what we've received from the culture of religion, what we've received from our, our fathers and our mothers in the faith, and this isn't to expose them necessarily, we are together, we're one, but there must be a deconstruction right. of what we have so that we can move forward in, in God's perfect will. So, so as we consider those things, we call this Black Sunday. Black Sunday. Black Sunday. I'm going to turn to my brother. Brother turn, Boy. You turn it over, turn it over <laughs> to me so I can be the one to explain why it's Black why Sunday. Why Black Sunday, B? <sighs> why not, you know? I felt like when everything started to, when we started to talk about this as a family, as brothers, and this is just a small representation of many brothers and sisters for that matter that have been talking about this and don't want y'all to think just because it's us four here that we're the only, we're the sum total of the conversation because it's not. But the idea for me began to be when Jesus talked about leaving the 99 and going after the one, how so often when it comes to issues related to black people in America, the church is always going after the 99 and the one black sheep is over there like, what about us? At what point can we as a church acknowledge the fact that we have a, 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 a unique problem in our context dealing with issues surrounding race and black people? And why can't we come together to emphasize those things on a Sunday where we give our most important day to the country's most important issue. Yeah. Thinking about, I believe it was W.E.B. Du Bois who said at the beginning of the 20th century that the race problem is the most significant problem in the country. Here we are 100 something years later and we're still dealing with this. Yes, maybe it's because we haven't had enough Black Sundays over the past 120 years that we still have to do something like this now. So at what point do we do like Sonny says? Do we stop trying to do things in silos and come together to really put our resources together to if not solve a problem, go to war with it? Frederick Douglass said, we are one. Our cause is one. And if we are to succeed, we must fight not as 10, not as 20, not as 30, but we must fight as one. And the thing I love about this is that when we get together like this, even some of you all are getting uncomfortable, you know. See, it's all right. We can have every other Sunday, but a black Sunday is like, ooh. Ooh. Uh, Don't say black. No, we saying black, uh, black, bliggity black. Black for bliggity Jesus. Bliggity black. Bliggity generation this is the crux of the issue this is that one that's been left out it's time for us to focus on this so that was one issue come on flip yeah well you know one of the things that i was i've been meditating on is the idea that like right now nobody's in the street saying kobe or chatwick right because we're okay with the great of us but what about the least of us mm. and jesus said if you've done this to the least of these you've done them to me 
And so that's why people are chanting Brianna or George Floyd and those names because what you've done to the least, Jesus, you've done to me. And so it's our responsibility to step in the middle of the madness and say Jesus cares about black breath. Come on. Jesus is concerned about black breath and not just the breath, the breath that's on the courts, but the breath that's in the streets. Mm. That's good. So, as we consider these things and the reality around us, like what is our role? Like, as the church, I think, you know, maybe this is not everyone, but for me sometimes I have to challenge myself. Right. Don't first think of the church institutionally. Don't first think of the church organizationally or the local church expression. But the universal church, who are we? Right. So what is what is our role? I gotta tell you, I wrestle with this. Uh-oh. I wrestle with this. Real's like, uh-oh, the Bible's coming out. Bible. I brought my Bible, y'all. It's Black Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Black iPhone doesn't work. <laughs> so I had to bring my and it's a brown Bible, but I got a black one. You got a black Bible. Everything black, all black, everything. So I really wrestled with this, y'all, until I got into Philippians, meaning meaning I wrestle with what is my role as a believer because on one hand we can get so caught up with the very explosive energy of this time and be very reactionary the question is to what extent is our reaction rooted in our identity as Christians So I'm not going here in Philippians, I'm going somewhere else, but in Philippians chapter 1, the scripture says, let your conversations be reflecting of your Savior. That word conversations there doesn't mean words that you're exchanging between each other. That word conversations in the original language means paletueste. It means your, your actions should reflect your citizenship. Come on, sir. So, and I learned really this from Sonny's father years ago. He, he, he got me on this. He said, boy, we have another citizenship. We have a citizenship, not just in the United States of America, but we have a citizenship in heaven. We are dual citizens. And the citizenship that we have in heaven is greater than the citizenship that we have on earth. That's why when Jesus he would say, let thy kingdom come. Jesus' revelation in the earth was the revelation of the greater citizenship. So the question becomes, if I am a member of a greater kingdom, of a greater government, what then are the duties and obligations of that citizenship? And it is, is it always reflective of the issues going on in the time around me? In other words, as the church, should our entire politics, should our entire philosophy be so hanging on who's going to get killed this week or next week? Or should it be something greater than that? Philippians chapter 2 verse 1, after Paul goes through this litany of things that he wants them to deal with in the church of Philippi because they've been dealing with a lot of division. He says to them, in the English it says, if there 
is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship if of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking one. The same mind, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. It says if in the English, in the original language, it is not if, it is since there is. In light of the fact that there is love in Jesus. In light of the fact that we are filled with the Holy Ghost. That's when it says of the same spirit. It's saying in light of the fact that we have all this same spirit, then y'all need to act like y'all are one. Yes, sir. Then it goes into the greatest revelation of Jesus in the New Testament. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But before he gets there, Paul, like Jesus does in John, lays out our objective. What is our place in this time? It's for us to be one. It's for us to have one mind. It's for us to have one love. It's for us to operate out of one spirit. And so today is different than the first Black Sunday where we came because we were tired. Today is different because now we're coming to say that we are one. And now that we are one, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that when the church came together on one accord, then what my sister Shoemaker says come to pass, then the Holy Ghost comes and he begins to fill them with the boldness that they need to take over the earth. So what is our objective? What is our mission? It's to become one. Our objective, our mission on Black Sunday. And if I could, come on, I can't preach it like that, but I'll just say this. <laughs> we are one. We are one. You just preached it. <laughs> We're one. So in John 13, yo, Jesus shifts the disciples' entire paradigm. Come on. And not just theirs, all of what they had thought and heard in Judaism, and even ours today, when he says this new commandment I'm giving you. Like they had a bunch of commandments, like over 600, right? But he says this new commandment, like we don't like that word. Like mission sounds like, yeah, okay, I can get down with that. But this is not a suggestion. Mm. This is his commandment. Mm. The new commandment. It's new. You haven't heard it like this before. I'm giving you today a new commandment. I'm commanding you. This is Jesus. I'm commanding you today to do this new thing. They hadn't heard it before. <laughs> this new commandment I'm giving you that you love one another. What? Peter had just declared his love for Jesus. Jesus is like, nah, that's cool because like Peter had a lot of boldness. So nothing wrong with boldness. Jesus is trying to help him understand something and I believe us too. It's not just our vertical commitment to him, but this new commandment. Come on. Not good idea, not best practice. <laughs> I'm commanding you today. It's a new thing that you love one another. Now get this. This is how he frames it. This is how you distinguishes it. This is where the trouble comes in. This is where I I feel a deep sense of inadequacy to even talk about this. This is where I get uncomfortable. Because I don't know this. I don't know this. I can't.
can't explain, I can't articulate this. But he says to love each other as I have loved you. Like, do we know what it just happened? He had just washed their feet. His betrayer's feet. Like his, what we would call his enemy, he calls him friend. He knows what's about to happen. He says, yo, go, go do it. But he honors him in that moment. Like we want to expose our enemies. We ask God to expose my haters, expose my enemies. And we like to cancel my enemies in our cancel culture. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, by you doing that, then the world will know that you're mine, that you belong to me. And my, my, the burden that I believe that, that I, I sit with today is, is it clear who we belong to? And if not, is it because we're not loving as he loves each other? like him yo so as we look to what's next like you talk about something a lot brother that has really I think it's, it's, it needs to be said more I hear it but I hear it in certain contexts that's kind of laced with political like talking points but you talked about this idea that we're not victims can you just maybe elaborate on that and whatever else is on your heart sure yeah. Uh, I think part of that is just the, it's Romans 8, when it says that we are more than conquerors through him uh, who loved us. Uh, and because we are more than conquerors, and, and it says, it says in, in light of all these things, yes. I mean, that's the right context of what things? Pandemic, racial injustice. We are so we cannot take on a victimization mindset. Even if we say, "Hey, there's white superiority or white supremacy," we can't walk into black inferiority. Why? Because his love for us. In fact, uh, you know, for me, when I think about Black Sunday, I think about what we're up to. I think about uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. He says that they conquer kingdoms and enforce justice. Mm. Like. Like today is enforcing justice, enforcing righteousness, putting us back in right standing, what it means to be an image bearer. Mm. When, I, when I value black life, when I value black breath, you listen, that's enforcing justice. That's enforcing righteousness. When I say that you matter, I'm, I'm, I'm conquering a kingdom that says you don't. Because there are kingdoms that say you may not, if you don't have the right education, if you don't have the right skin, if you don't come the right side of the town. Listen, that's a kingdom that we don't bow to. Come on. Come on, preach. Come on. We literally, not just uh, cliche, we literally say, Thy kingdom come. Yes. Thy will be done right here. And listen, the, the kingdom in heaven, we're not victims in heaven. I don't know if you know that. Come on. Mm. In heaven, we're conquerors. Come on, man. In heaven, we're leaders. Mm. We're kings and priests in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why lower my status in my in in this in this realm? Why live beneath my my redemptive potential? Mm. Come on. Because they don't like me. Mm. Because they call me a name. Yeah. Because they try to label me. No, 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 no. 
Jesus, wash that inferiority complex away. Yes, God. And it says that you are valuable. It's not just that I love you. The cross doesn't just say I love you. The cross says that you're valuable to me. I need you to hear that. The cross didn't just say I love you. See, we determine value based on what somebody's willing to pay for. Like, I don't know, somebody bought Kobe's hat for like a hundred grand. A hat. Well, I guess it was value because somebody was willing to pay for it. Come on, come on. Well, if God said that you're value when he gave his only unique son, there's, there's only one scarcity in heaven. And that was the son. And he gave the only unique scarcity and said, listen, son, daughter, it's not just that I love you, but you're worth my son. You're valuable to me. Come on, come on. You, you, you mean a whole lot to me. I, I'm so radically in love with you that I'll give you my only unique son. And so then what becomes our responsibility as those who are image bearers, those who follow Jesus, is for us to declare to others, listen, God says that you have value too. My brother, my sister, God says he loves you. He loves you past what you've done and what you'll do. And you'll never earn it. You'll never deserve it. You, you, you're no longer a victim. Why? Because I redeemed you. What shall we say to all these things? We are more. We are more. You are, you are more. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Uh, the word is actually Nikeo, where we get the word Nike. I mean, we're, we're more than victors. Come on, come on. Through him who loved us. So if now it's time for us to take on a new, new identity. Come on the loved ones of God who put aside victimization and say we are victors and yeah we might say I'm black and I'm proud I am proud come on but more than proud of being black I'm proud to be his son yeah. right. yeah. oh. and he says son I made you black I don't need you to be colorblind. And you're beautiful. Uh-huh. I'm just, I'm just, that's what he says. God is the artist of artists. Come on, come on. That's right. He's a designer of designers. And he made you the way that you are. So the way that I believe it, if my skin color is just as sacred as gender, it is not my cross to bear. Come on. It is my image to bear. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Detroit Church Podcast. We'd love you to subscribe, like, and rate. And if you're not already, you can follow us on social media by searching for Detroit Church.